I want to thank my sponsor, Viva. Viva, thank you so much for making this show possible. Viva is here to change the game. They have electronic regulatory documents for sites for free with no commitment, no contract. I just signed up my site, Yuma Clinical Trials. No contract needed, nothing signed. They they just approve your email address and that's it. You're up and running with an electronic regulatory system, which is a great way if you haven't gotten into electronic anything yet. You need to consider it. It's it's free. Over 450 sponsors are using Viva for their backend stuff. Electronic signatures here, electronic uh, delegation of authorities log, all for free. Viva is going to keep giving sites free stuff because they're very site-centric. They they know that if they help empower the sites, even more sponsors are going to use their paid products on their end. They are the sponsors after all, so they pay for things. And they understand that making sites take control of their electronic systems is a huge first step. It's a huge commitment for sites, even for something that's free. And they're here to make it easy, and they're playing the long game. And anyways, go check it out underneath the video or the show notes below. Viva Site Vault. Are now live. We're live, broadcasting on all systems, from coast to coast, wherever you may be, into your eardrums. You ever listen to Coast to Coast Radio? Yes, with uh, George Nori. Amazing, amazing nighttime radio. Yeah, he does. He still do that. Yeah, west of the Rockies. How are you? <laughs> yeah, somebody would call and you know talk about an alien. We're we're gonna bring it down to earth. Not so much about aliens, but it's something that might be alien. You like how I did that there? Mm-hmm. Something nice seg- that might nice segue. Nice segue. Transition. By the way, welcome LinkedIn. LinkedIn. You know, I'm not gonna say this anymore, but Happy New Year. This is like my sixth live stream of the year. I feel like 2023 is well underway, so, more than well underway. There's new CDAs. There's new surveys. You know, Chris, I'm behind on feasibility surveys. That's how busy nice. we have become all by following the leads I get from DSCS. It's nice. like Hair Club for Men. Not only am I the client, I'm the president. There you go. So you bring up an interesting question. I'm going a little I off. I didn't bring up or, any question, but yeah, you actually did. Okay. So I actually had this thought today. So I received an email from a, um, somebody at a CRO, mm-hmm. and they said Happy New Year. Right? Yes. How how long, at least in research, should you say Happy New Year to people? Well, there some people believe it's like if it's someone you know as the first occurrence that you see them that year. Regardless okay. of when it is. So if you know them and you see them in July, hey, haven't seen you all year. Happy New Year, buddy. Mm-hmm. Other people say no more than two weeks after. See, I, I'm that's about what I do, about two weeks. Yeah, me too. I actually forgot it's New Year already. Like I'm head in the email. I'm busy training new staff right now. Shout out to Daisy Villanueva. She watches. Uh, Daisy bought the book long before she even knew that she could work for us um Hmm. long long time ago she's a huge fan of our book chris um so i've been head deep in training and getting studies working on our e-reg and e-source shout out to our sponsor viva for 
sponsoring the the podcast. They don't sponsor the live streams, but they're so good. I give them shout outs also in the live streams. I learned about e delegation <coughs> e delegation today and e signature. E fifteen seventy two. You no longer need a wet ink signature on your fifteen seventy two. Well, that's not entirely true. That's open for debate for another podcast. Well, it's, why did I say that? That topic is absolutely unequivocally proven by the FDA that they don't care. That still doesn't matter. What I matters? Know. What matters is what the sponsors want. So, if they demand a wedding, you got to give them a wedding. That's what I meant by that's debatable. Yes, or you can argue with them and say, "Well, why? Here's our SOP." You know, if you put in this industry, if you push back enough, and it's justified and you have sops for it and it's backed by regulations they're more likely to more likely not always to cave in but we're actually we haven't actually even used e-signature or e-delegation log yet but i think for our next study we will so i don't disagree with what you said about pushing back however i'm of the philosophy try and make it as easy as possible for the sponsors to work with the sites and therefore you're not giving them any problems that they may in turn be less interested in working with your site in the future. That's, that's kind of my. I see, and I see what you did there, Chris. Excellent segue. Let's not make life tough for sponsors. If you are a site, whether mm-hmm. you are a brand new site or a site that's thinking about being brand new, there are some sites that are not even, they, there are sites by name, but they haven't even really thought about how do I get a study? Um, mm-hmm. There are sites that are experienced that have been doing this for decades. There are sites in between. It's busy. I'm behind on surveys. Shout out to also, they're not a sponsor, but Versatrial for not only managing all of our bookmarks for studies, which is absolutely free, but having a really cool feasibility helper. I mean, you- this is a time saver, Chris. What do you I have mean to by- show you in person. Yeah. What do you mean by bookmarks for studies? So on average, we have about 12, 10 to 12 vendors per study, right? More mm-hmm. or less. Mm-hmm. This stores them all for you in your browser window. So you're like, you open it up and you say, this study, let me see this study, the diabetes study. I need to find the eye exam vendor. Mm. Okay. Boom, boom. It's right there. Well, you're in. You're uh, in. Veteran sites, I'm sure, have all kinds of different ways of doing this. The way I've always done it is just a Word document and have a Word document for each study because you have so many passwords. You have a link to the website and then what your passwords are under it. That's the way I've kept track of the different websites. And that works too. I mean, whatever keeps you, like whatever works for you. For me, being very disorganized, to even have that Word document when I need it, it's a huge ask. So (laughs) just having it in Google Chrome when I open a new tab, it's right there. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, um, and also they help with the feasibility. They they fill in all that mundane stuff of name, PI name, address, all that stuff. Once you do one, it remembers future, no matter where the survey comes from. Mm, nice. It's awesome and it's free. But anyways, they're getting way too many shout out. This is for a free service. So I'm drowning in study opportunities. That's, right. a, that's a good place to be. Better than... Uh... Dying in the desert with no study opportunities. That's right. And I am in the desert. So, guys, leave your comments. Let us know what you're thinking right now. This is really, this one's for the site owners. Um, But, Chris, you know, we had, um, with our consulting service that we 
we help sites get studies amongst a bunch of other things like negotiating their contracts and stuff. We're always, we always tell clients there's two ways we get studies for you. One is, you know, just like anyone else can on clinicaltrials.gov, we use different, um, we use different uh, tools on top of it. We also have human resources that di- uh, they dive deep, like Jeslin, who works for us, dives deep into LinkedIn to try to find the contacts and reaches out to them, which has been working really well, actually. So don't, um, that's actually two independent ways, right? Okay. Yeah. So I, I've been telling uh, on, when we do calls with potential clients, um, I, I've been telling them we've had have two established ways we bring studies to you and we're developing a third. That's what I tell them. We're right? developing so, a third and we're, uh, we're going, Oh, you, you got a question. You're getting pushback. Chris, how do you secure your password? Is this file password protected? If someone gets hold of your word doc, uh, the laptops, the laptops, uh, password protected. And uh, we also have a firewall. That's all that sponsors really require. There you go. All right. So th- there's, well, I still keep it simple and say there's two ways to get study. One is outbound. The other is inbound. All right. One, we are working on finding leads for you, hunting. The other one, we're cultivating CROs and sponsor relationships with us. And you just got off a call with one of these sponsor CROs that literally is going to visit our clients to give them studies. Mm-hmm. How yeah, is this? Literally. Can you get, shed some light on this? Like, sure. This is so, not normal, first of all. Yeah, it strikes me as a little odd as well. <laughs> um, is that a sign of the times? Or is this just like what they need to do to compete with the big boys? I'm, I'm not sure why they do this. Uh, we, we set up a weekly call to discuss these types of things and any concerns that either party has, us or them. Um, but essentially, so the CRO, they do very um, minimalistic studies in terms of work required by the site. So a lot of these studies aren't necessarily appropriate for veteran sites. Um, we have approximately 80 sites in our network, um, of which at any given time, about 40% are research naive. So the studies offered by the CRO make a lot of sense for our research naive clients. Um, they're absolutely willing and, and actually want to work with research naive sites um, because they're aware of what they can pay for these studies per patient completed. It's not that much. And again, veteran sites just aren't going to be interested. Where, where this is beneficial to, again, research naive sites is it provides them research experience. Um, sponsors, be- oftentimes, most sponsors, before working with a, a study site, they want to see experience of some sort. So again, this provides that experience. So what Dan was referring to that I find a little odd is we provided them with, um, well, we didn't provide it to them. We sent out the studies and what they paid, three different studies and what they paid to all of our clients. Um, and they received about 30 different sites responses. So about wow. 50 of our clients weren't interested. Um, 30 were. I am so, one that was not. Right. And neither was I. Um, but of those that were interested, they're literally, before awarding the study to any of these, these sites, they're going to physically visit them. 
which is which is backwards of what usually occurs, right? And well, I guess low budget, low budget studies. Yeah, yeah, uh, low budget. They range from three hundred. There's three different studies. They range from three hundred to a thousand dollars for their one visit. They're a one visit study, and they range in payment from three hundred to a thousand. So the one thousand dollar budget per studies, patient. Per patient. Per, yeah, one 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 visit. So yeah, it would be per patient or per visit. Are they expecting high enrolling? Uh, fairly high enrolling. Um, so for their, the three studies they initially provided us with, and it was funny when I was talking to them today, they thought I was lying to them when I said, listen, you're going to get a lot of response. So I hope you're prepared for this when we send these out. Um, and as I, they said, they thought there'd be no way we would get, they'd get the kind of response they did. So, um, they weren't expecting 30 sites to email them about their three different studies. So um, each study, I think, is 180 patients is what they're looking for. Um, so again, they awarded they awarded uh, the study to five of our clients. Um, and again, and I got 30 responses. Kind of studies, it's those kind well, of, I'm on their website now, but to keep confidential, um, they're sample. They're, these are sample studies. So they'll take biological samples and analyze them and but they are studies and it's mm -hmm. a great way for research naive or like you said newer sites to get the ball uh rolling. gain some experience yep mm -hmm. on so you you have to have some experience on your cv to move on to bigger and better things right um mm -hmm. astrazeneca most often is not going to consider a research naive site for a study but they will if you have at least minimal experience. And this is what that is. It's not yeah. necessarily minimal. It's an actual study. It's listed on clinicaltrials.gov. Yep. Um, so, but it's more yeah. in line with a phase four study, which, you know, those, those are minimal experience trials. They're usually relatively simple to, to take care of. Um, but that counts. And that's what sponsors want to see. Um, and I forget, you, you stopped me in the middle of a statement and I forget what I was talking about. Didn't finish the oh, talk. Sorry. That's okay. Um, if anyone but, knows what Chris was going to say, put in the comments. <laughs> yeah, sure. Mind readers. So, <laughs> um, but, I, you know, just to finish a different thought, it's just kind of odd that, well, I was going to say it's kind of odd that they're going out to these sites before awarding a study, but not really because they're all, they're only going out to sites that completed their simple feasibility questionnaire that they sent. So they're still following the pattern of a typical CRO, I guess. So, but they're visiting everybody that completed it. I um, think for studies like this, they want to reduce any chance of fraud. Mm -hmm. um, because for the type of samples they're collecting, the fraud would obviously be caught very quickly and would be very embarrassing to them sure. if they're the CRO. And they're yep. presenting that data, <laughs> those those samples to the sponsors. So I think there's an element of that from what I glanced on their website very briefly. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. And I remember what I was going to say. So they've awarded the studies to five of our sites. Each study needs 180 patients. And I believe they, they said today that's all they're going to award these three studies to are those five sites. Um, so that's what they're expecting because you asked how many patients are they expecting from each site. So uh, five into 180 is, what is that? 
about uh, 10, 20, 30, 35 patients. So they're expecting 35 patients from each site for each study. Um, but she did say that, well, that's, you have 30 sites we're going to visit. We're going to give them all studies because they have a bunch of studies like this to give sites. Right. So I haven't seen these studies or what they pay. Um, I'm just familiar with the three. And they said they're going to award the other uh, sites, these other studies they have. They said they're getting these studies all the time. So this won't be an issue. They'll have like and two or three are, new studies each week. Look, there are some even experienced sites that take on. I wouldn't still wouldn't take this kind of study on. To me, like as a more experienced site, we've only been doing this a year and a half at my site. But, you know, we have plenty of studies to not have to take these. There are still these type of studies that I would take if there is some kind of benefit to the patient or so the first thing I look for is do they bill insurance? You know, if they bill insurance, mm -hmm. not, patient insurance not interested, it's like a, technically it's not a scam, but I consider it a scam. And so does Chris. So mm -hmm. I'm sure you discussed this like first conversation with this CRO or sponsor, like this is the case. Yes. Okay. Yep. We're not interested. You're not. Okay, tell me more. So if there's a benefit to the patient, I would take this. Or if it's something that's trending in that community, like recently we had RSV um, and there was an RSV. I turned it down. In hindsight, I should have taken it because based on what you told me, it's relatively easy. Mm -hmm. And it's providing a service to the community. Like they don't actually test for RSV for adults. Mm -hmm. So the patient's benefit would be if you're feeling sick and you want to know whether it's influenza or RSV, like we have the RSV or COVID. Here. It, or they COVID. Test, they yeah. test for all three. So we have those tests here for you free. Just come in, you get paid. If you do end up having RSV, boom, there's a study for you. Now it's another consent. Yep. Studies like that benefit patients and are relatively easy. Yep. Um, so even for experienced sites, and they help when there's down days, slow days at the clinic. Um, now, we also get bigger sponsors and CROs reaching out to us as well, looking for our clients. I mean, we've talked to well, like, yeah. big pharma. We oh, actually, yeah. we are working with to this day. There are a couple different larger pharma companies. So we, we're, I would say we receive about a half a dozen emails a month from larger pharma companies asking if any of our clients would be interested in a given study. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, really. And they don't go visit. They only go visit the sites when they do site selection visits. Exactly. Um, which, you know, technically that's what they're doing. Uh, this, mm -hmm. the CRO we're talking about, because they do have them fill out a, a simple feasibility questionnaire. And then once it's completed, they go and visit oh, the site. Okay. So they're probably doing a site selection visit. They're just doing it themselves. And it's a real simple site. Company. I talked to them about it. It's a super simple site selection visit. It takes no more than 30 minutes. So they're just gauging the PI's interest and making sure uh, it's a legit site, that kind of thing, I imagine. I'm thinking they're wanting like real world patients or it doesn't have to be a private practice. Uh, good question. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Because that, I mean, most of these kind of studies, like the one I just mentioned, RSV, it's, they're better suited for like private practice hybrid. Sure, sure but, but that's I because of recruitment. 
Yeah. That's because of recruitment, right? So, yeah. uh, I mean, you could run an ad. Hey, are you feeling sick? Come and get tested to see what it is you have, right? Mm -hmm. Free of charge. And that'll draw, I would imagine, a significant number of people that would be interested. But certainly recruitment's much easier if it's a family practitioner and just test everybody who comes in, obviously with their permission. Um, cause you have to sign us consent to go through that, that initial testing. It's a simple consent, not a study consent, just consent to, to run the test. I, I believe it's a one page consent, but then if they have RSV, like you said, then they sign the actual study consent if interested. And those kind of studies typically, I mean, that one, that, that RSV one was not like, it's considered one of these, like, for lack of a better word, like a cheapo study. Like, you know, it's meant to be high enrollment, very easy to do, very quick turnover of patients. Mm -hmm. um, it was actually somewhat complicated because it required a local lab. So for like, that might not have been the best entry level study, but if your private practice, like most busy private practices, do have a local lab that they're affiliated with uh, for blood mm -hmm. draws, at least internal mm -hmm. medicine. They can do it. So um, there's. We're just trying to give people strategies uh, for how to get studies when they're newer. We're also uh, talking to some of the more experienced sites about how they can continue to maintain consistency of visits and cash flow when your real studies are a little bit harder to enroll for, which they're all getting like harder to enroll for. So uh, I would like to end this topic um, in terms of just giving. Uh, you know, kind of a disclaimer. So this relationship we've developed with the CRO, it, it could be uh, short-lived. It could be long-lived. We have no idea. Uh, you know, relationships end, unfortunately. Um, so while we definitely have a, a means for research-naive sites to get studies now, I mean, within two, three months, the way, the way they make it sound, the CROs is there anybody we bring to them, they'll give them a study within three months. That's the way they make it sound. So, um, we certainly have an in for research naive sites now. Uh, that's always been a problem, uh, to get them their initial study. Um, so if you're research naive, you're thinking that you might like to get into research, we sure surely have means for you to do so at least at this time mm -hmm. in the future, that may not be the case. Um, but as of right now, certainly we have a relationship with somebody that we can get you as a research naive site of study or your first study. Yeah. As of January, 2023. Yep. Um, but I would like to segue cause I know you don't have a, lo a lot more time, Dan. So um, I thought we would have a disagreement on this topic. So I, I got a call from a client today, also research naive, and they were having their first site selection visit. Uh, or they're about to have their first site selection visit. It's very it's, good. It's so let me start over. The call was last night. Their site selection visits today. Okay. So their call, part of their call was, Hey, what do I wear to a site selection visit? Do I, is it a complete like business attire? Do I wear a, a jacket mm. and a suit mm. and, and a tie and all of that? And I said, so what I generally wear is either a full button down shirt and, and jeans or a polo shirt and jeans. I generally wear a polo shirt like I'm wearing now in jeans, but I felt go one step higher than what I actually wear. 
right? Yeah. Just just to make sure that he's dressed appropriately. Now, yeah. now here's the question I have for you, right? Um, so what I told him to wear was a full button down shirt and, and jeans. I think you'll be fine. Um, do you think you could be overdressed or underdressed for a site selection visit? Yes and yes. So you can be both overdressed and underdressed. Yes. So what would you say is so the these TRAs? I mean, we just literally ended on one company goes to site do site selection visit. They want to scope it out and see if it's legit, if they know what they're doing, more or mm -hmm. less, if they're capable of doing. You don't want any clues. You don't want to give any like outlier signals. And dress is like the first thing people notice. Absolutely. Dress is a reflection of professionalism. This is why I really think, and there's many answers to this question. It has to, there's a couple of layers actually, not many answers. It has to fit into the context of the site. So if the site is an existing private practice, I'm guessing like scrubs are not inappropriate to wear. Uh, you, the doctor probably has, the private practice probably has MAs. Mm -hmm. I don't know any private practice office where the, the MAs are either not wearing scrubs or some kind of uniform. And the, in the company I work at, the MAs, they don't wear scrubs. Um, they wear polo shirts with the logo, the company logo. And at my other site where I have, we have another PI, they wear scrubs. They don't have a logo. They just wear standard medical scrubs. So what I made my sites do is we have a polo shirt for Yuma clinical trials to make mm -hmm. it easy. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're not actually part of the medical practice. We're not up to par. So we're not going to wear up to par shirts to blend that's, in. FYI, for anybody who doesn't follow Dan, that's the name of the practice. It's not that Dan's not up to par. Yes. It's the, name, the name of the name practice. Of the private practice. So we're not going to wear their uniform. But I made something close enough. So it's polo shirts with our logo. It takes this like to not even be something you think about. All right. If you are not at a private practice, let's say you're a standalone research center, that's entirely up to the site owner to decide. And honestly, this is the first site I've ever had uniforms at. But I think in hindsight, I would have done this everywhere. Polo shirts or scrubs. It just makes it so much easier and puts the monitors at ease. Like, okay, this is a clinic. It's even more important when you're at a standalone site, I think. So I think overdressings, like you're trying to sell too hard. You know how like the the like the sometimes the sleaziest salespeople wear suits all the time? Yeah. Completely. You want to avoid that. But you also want to avoid like and I've done this, so don't do what I do. But like wearing just t-shirts to a t-shirts and a baseball cap and sandals, which yeah. I've probably done. So that's why your answer surprises me because I know you dress like that at site selection visits. I've seen you do it, so it's yeah. why you're surprising me with your answer. That so are you saying you've evolved into this? I'm saying don't do what I do, what I have done in the past. So, so what you've done in the past, do you think that's ever cost you a study? No, I don't think so. But that's because we were already established by the time I started dressing down. Like the staff 
would not dress as down as me. So there was like an understanding that, well, at least at our Anaheim clinic, when I so, would do that, the actual coordinators would wear like polo shirts or sometimes scrubs. And I never had to tell anyone, hey, you need to dress up better. Like they didn't follow my lead. Okay, so basically. this... This would be the levels or elements you're talking about, how it differs, right? So yes. what, what I hear you saying is for research naive sites, don't give them more cause to not award your yeah. site a study. Dress. And when I was research naive, my first study, like I didn't go in a t-shirt and a hat either. I wore like a, I think I wore khakis and like a dress shirt okay. like a, and dress shoes. Like, <laughs> okay, so. S same question that was asked of me to a, by a research naive site. What would be your advice on what to wear then? Are they in a private practice or standalone? It's private practice. I would try to match what the MAs wear, but okay. not exactly. But like if they have, honestly, it would be better than dressing up or down is to like wear the same shirts they're wearing. Say, hey, we're so integrated into their private practice. We even wear the same mm -hmm. uniform. So I... I don't know if that's correct or not. I'm not disagreeing, but I'm not agreeing either. I, because generally speaking, CRAs and sponsors in general know that these are two independent companies, generally right. speaking. Right. Um, so I think it's okay to dress differently than the private practice. I just would at least wear, oh, yeah. Yeah. wear jeans and a full button down shirt. Um, I think it's okay to dress differently too. Uh, we actually do. Our uniforms don't match theirs, mm -hmm. but I would take that over overdressing or underdressing for this person. Okay. Like if it's last minute, you don't have an outfit. Ask the PIA. Give me like an extra shirt <laughs> mm -hmm. or a scrub. Give me like a scrub. Somebody's not wearing like just something. I would not wear a suit. Maybe back east they do this more. But even there, they don't do. They don't wear suits um, at site selection visits. So button-down shirt and jeans, button-down shirt and khakis, what? That's okay. That's okay. A tie, too? I mean, I don't think it's... I don't know. <laughs> Dan, <laughs> this is a good Dan, topic. Dan hates ties, so... It's uh, a good topic. Look, this is why I think the... Back to my point, like... I really think having a polo shirt or a scrub with your logo makes it easy. So here's why I said what I said, button down shirt and jeans, because I would say it's about 50, 50. When you see a CRA, sorry, I got a gnat attacking me here. Uh, when you, when, when you see a CRA, when they come to your site, almost Darren says, I love ties, by the way. I hate them. I feel like I'm being choked to death. But anyhow, um, almost always they're either wearing a full button down shirt and jeans or full button down shirt and and khakis. 50 50 on yeah. male CRA. Business so, casual is CRA attire. Yeah. Jeans or khakis along with a full button down shirt. Yes. And generally speaking, a t shirt underneath the, the full button down shirt. So. Uh, that's what you want to strive for. Are what t-shirt underneath? Nobody likes that anymore. They do just like the regular. Well, that's generally what I see from CRAs, yeah, male yeah. CRAs. They've so, never been accused of being the most stylish, but yeah. So um, that would be my recommendation. Dresses those who are in the business dress that mirror, are making decisions. Mirror the CRA is a good exactly. It's a good yes, and they're typically business casual. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
that's a good answer. I think for me to keep it like staff compliant, and I haven't had issues. Um, I only had one employee that in the past that uh, didn't dress like to where I was comfortable putting them in front of a site selection visit. But most of the other staff I've had, even when we didn't have uniforms, um, dressed well. I can only think of one that I would actually have to tell him, like, hey, I don't even think you knew him. Um, his name was Vince. He didn't last very long, but he was the only one. I, like, I was not comfortable. He would try to mirror me how I dressed. And it only works if you're the owner, guys. You can't just do that. <laughs> and that's when you're established, right? Even now, like today, I started not wearing my um, uniform at work um, every day. Because the employees get that they have to wear their shirts every day. And they have more than enough. I gave some of mine to another employee, so I'm waiting to get a resupply. Mm. But yeah, I think the either scrubs, a company logo, polo, or scrubs, or like you said, business casual. Somewhere in that order. I'm still thinking like the logo thing, something you should consider in the future. Well, I this I would agree with. I don't think any of those three options are going to cause you any problems. Um, so long as you pick one of those three options, right? Right, right. If if you're wearing baseball caps, which I don't necessarily even think I've just never seen a CRO wear a baseball caps, so I'd probably stay away from that. <laughs> I wear baseball caps like almost I every used day. To almost I know. wear them almost every day. Yeah. Um I kind of stopped wearing them every day at the clinic because I still do every now and then, but if I'm if I know I'm gonna be there all day, and I'm gonna be expecting to be walking around the clinic all day, um, I feel a little funny doing that when I'm the only one doing that. But if I know I'm gonna just sit in my office all day and not really leave the office, I'll wear one. It's more, I'm I'm being aware of like the patients and the staff, and if they the private practice kind of considers me part of their group, so. If I'm walking around in like baseball cap and patients seeing me, I don't want to like be the cause of like any brand branding, uh, uh, negative branding. So sure. that's why I don't, but I still do here and there, but the staff, no, we don't let the staff do that. Mm -hmm. Like the actual staff that works for us. Um, and it would be a little unusual being the staff for all female, I think it'd be a little unusual, but maybe not. Yeah, you, there's also a part of it where you're the site owner, director, you have to set a good example. So I do that here and there. But yeah, I agree. You don't want your attire to be the reason why you lost, why you didn't get a study. Right. If you're, all, if you're all wearing shorts and tank tops and flip flops eh, and research naive. Yeah, you're... that last part is the kicker because you can do that. And be like the premier site for like that specialty in the nation. If you've developed your reputation. That's right. That's right. You can get away with that. They might question like, why is everyone wearing shorts, flip flops? Well, today's our days where we don't see patients. We see monitors and yeah, one of the perks is. You're allowed to dress as you like. Yeah. They wouldn't even question a site that's experienced. I mean, they might question later, but yeah. But the kicker is. Research naive when you are, you don't want to give any signals mm -hmm. that they should not select you. So overdressing or underdressing, like Darren says, tuxedo is not included. 
Yeah, if you were a tux at a site selection visit, if if I'm a CRA and I'm doing SSV and I'm at a site and their owner's wearing a tuxedo, I'll probably ask him, like, are you going to a wedding or something later? So you wouldn't make an assumption, but then when he says no, you would laugh later about yeah, this person. What are they trying to hide? Sure. So just your advice was good. I would take it a step further. I really think the logos um, and or scrubs are good, are better. If Again, uh, if you're new, though, you may or may not have had the time or to get the resources logo. to invest in your logo. But scrubs are... Sure. You can get them at Walmart. Scrubs you can get anywhere. Yeah. So when in doubt, you're not going to go wrong in a, being in a clinical research wearing scrubs. If you but, really don't know how to dress, <laughs> just get scrubs. You'll be okay. So I know you're probably running out of time here, but real quick, we didn't address females. So business casual, would that consist of for females? I mean, they have, uh, they, I don't know, business casual for females, same thing as for males. Slacks. Yeah. Jeans. Jeans are okay. That's why polos work too. Again, polos and scrubs. That's pretty unisex. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Good topic. I don't think it's ever been covered in the history of uh, your channel my show. So <laughs> thank you. You're and welcome. Hopefully the client sees this. Well, it's too late now, but for your next one. Yeah. Hopefully he didn't wear a tuxedo. He didn't. Like I said, I talked to him last night. Today was his site selection visit. Good enough. Yeah. I would have given him your advice as well, but I think I still would because it was just him as far as representation from the research side. I think I still would have just said uh, button down shirt and, and uh, khakis or jeans are fine. Yeah. It's, it's, that's fine to you. It's just, there is. If it were new, better. if it were numerous staff, I think then you kind of move more towards having, having some sort of designated outfit for Uniform. everybody. Yeah. 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 Or, or scrubs. That's also a good um, variable is the size of the staff. Like if you are the one man show, if it's just you and your PI, mm -hmm. you may not need. Matter of fact, we didn't have a good point. We didn't have uniform until we started hiring employees that were not me. Right. And, and I knew that we would have multiple. So you're right. The first SSV I did at my new site, was with the PI and I didn't, we didn't have uniform. So I did, I think I wore what you just suggested. Like I wore jeans and um, polo or, polo or a dress shirt. Yeah. I'm yeah. exactly what you suggested. Well, again, research naive. I strongly suggest a complete button down shirt for the males, not a polo. I think once you develop, you know, and have some sort of a reputation, have some experience, I think polo is fine too. Yeah. But you should dress like the CRA's dress, really. Probably first and last time I'll ever give fashion advice. And you Yeah. Can... Yeah. Not not something I ever thought of bringing up, but like I said I was questioned about this last That's night, so I figured this would be something Dan and I could argue over because of how you used to dress at site selection Yeah, visits, but, but see, <laughs> it's different between what I used to do versus what my employees did. There was a clear Hey everybody. Line. Yeah. Everybody, let me tell you a secret. Dan's getting older. That's why. 
I don't know if it's that's the case because <laughs> I still wear what I used to wear. Just I no, when you were tw- when, when you were twenty five at site selection visits, you were wearing shorts, flip flops. Oh no, actually, no. Back then, I was actually wearing like dress. I was wearing tie. Okay, maybe twenty five is not fair. Thirty. Yes. Yeah. I may have had a shorts and flip flops at Ashley's. <laughs> but I was never the main coordinator. No, I understand. When I'm the main coordinator, yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying why I was basing. I thought we would have a yeah. bit of an argument over that. Well, our P, one of our PIs, not the one that uh, is the main guy, uh, but the dermatologist, he wears scrubs uh, with his name on it. And then um, he, wear, he actually does wear flip flops every day. But it's with his scrubs, so he gets away with it. But none of the staff wears flip-flops. If you have more time, I got another topic, a tangent to this topic. If you don't, that's fine. I got like five minutes. Okay, so here's another one. Maybe we can argue about this one. Trying to find something we can argue over. Oh, you like that? Yeah, I like arguing. So uh, Dan has said everybody that he's fine. I don't know about research, but just in general, he would not judge somebody based off of tattoos, right? Correct. Correct. I, I have said there'd be no way I would hire somebody at least for research or probably for anything else if they had neck tattoos or higher, right? Face or neck tattoos, not getting hired. That's probably our generational difference. So do you still affirm that in research you would hire somebody with a neck not or face tattoo? Not only do I affirm my coordinator. Face too. Has, not face, but she has a neck tattoo. One okay. of my coordinators. All right. All right. So you don't think that some CREs may judge that. I do. You do. But okay. I think if that's the case, this person is super professional. Like the way she carries herself. Mm-hmm. We have uniforms. It's We don't have uniforms because of that, but we have uniforms. Um, she's a CNA. Uh, so she belongs in the clinical setting. Um, she belongs. It looks, okay, fair enough. Look like she belongs. And I'm not saying you should judge people. On, so I am and I'm not. So I am a little bit more apprehensive about people with neck and face tattoos in terms of could, they could be a problem just in general in society. Like if I run yeah. into them on the street, need to be a little bit more cognizant that I think this person could be trouble. Right, not that they are because you don't know the yeah. person. Judge yeah. the individual, not people as a whole. Right? Yes. But just be a little bit more aware of your surroundings. That's the way I approach people with neck and face tattoos. Personally. Well, I'll tell you it's personally, it's definitely not a positive. But in, in that candidate, like what I and I but agree, it's neutral slash slightly negative in my book. So. But in a professional business, I think appearance does matter. Just like getting back to the tire. Yeah. I think I would prefer somebody I hire that's going to be a face for my company that, they, you know, no pun intended or coincidentally here, they don't have face tattoos. Very much so. They don't have neck tattoos. And really, they don't have arm tattoos either unless they're going to wear long sleeve shirts for interactions with CRAs. Yeah. That's just my opinion, right? Because why do I want to risk something over appearance? Yeah. Well, 
there's also you can get into a different types of tattoos like there's artistic ones and there's like street sure. tattoos sure but arm tattoos are less important prison tattoos. <laughs> right but arm <laughs> tattoos are the least important of the three because you can right. cover those you can cover those yeah because my other coordinator has one right here she has one Katie. sure and you can cover those i, I yeah, think it's like two hummingbirds that. like dancing sure and I mean, nothing intimidating are, about it and tattoos have become a little more accepted over time i just still think that people will could potentially judge on neck and face judge tattoos. Your book by a cover i think it's like the clothing the first impression but you also don't want to give more reasons it's not a deal breaker for me it's the thing like you know your 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 attire you can change your like clothing mm -hmm. tats are harder to remove um so it's you can tell when somebody's used to have like maybe a rough upbringing but sure. has changed sure. like that's why i don't necessarily make that a deal breaker for me so it depends on the circumstance whether it's a deal breaker for me again if they're a face of the company in which they're going to interact with new people who are gauging things off of first impressions that could be a deal breaker yeah if it's if it's somebody who's behind the scenes or is not directly involved face to face with people le yeah. obviously less so i don't care that. yeah Janet has a good comment on this. It says, for the visit, the person should hide tattoos until monitors gets to know everyone. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree, agree with Janet's there's also uh, different, comment. There's also different variations of tattoos, though. You know, there's like tribal tats that I'm sorry. Have. I don't care what the tat is. If it's on their face, the especially face is, on their face. face is like another degree, yeah. But there's and also degrees on the face. It, even neck, I'm right there. I think it's yeah. too close to the face. Yeah, I know. This is look. Nobody else is discussing these topics anywhere. Yeah. I don't think in yeah. our industry. So thank you, Chris. It's not well, something I would have brought up uh, on my own. Sure, I just figure it correlated to to the attire. Yeah. But you're not going to get an argument though. But I don't disagree with you. I just don't agree as strongly. Sure. I just don't think you want to risk anything by taking on an employee when you're new that yeah. has face or, or neck tattoos, unless they're just not going to be seen the people, you know, they're not like, mm, like Janet said yeah. first. When you're new, you're more likely like the, the person representing the company, like the site owner. Um, I can't think of any site owners I know with tattoos, but. I think Brad Hightower might have somebody. He doesn't have face tattoos. Again, tattoos are more accepted. <laughs> Brad, you, know? you have tattoos. <laughs> I, you know, if it can oh, be... Oh, Brad's got like sleeves, I think. But he covers it, them up in that. Exactly. So like uh, if, dress shirts and stuff. Exactly. If they can be covered, they're not going to be an issue. Yeah. It's... But now everybody knows Brad. They don't care if he has tattoos. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe not. More so when you're research naive, you got to worry about this stuff. Yes, I agree. I agree. You want to put your best foot forward. Yeah. Um, but as far as like just who you're hiring, I mean, if you're hiring an MA or someone that's patient recruitment that you're grooming to be a CRC, to me, it's not a deterrent. So Especially know... dressed, this is why I think the uniforms is like another plus one. Okay. Neck, face tat, maybe a little slight negative to you, a lot negative. Well, dress it up with a uniform for the company. Sure. Again, 
I still don't think that's doing you a positive service. I think at best you're neutralizing the negative with that uniform. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. At best. At best. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, I are people, man. If like talent comes with neck tats, I I know people. I'm not going to say no. I know people in major corporations in the HR department, major corporations, right? Like, S&P 500 companies, right? Like Disney. Yeah, exactly. And they will, and it's not Disney, right? Because Disney would make more sense to me for having Artistic this requirement, purpose. but they will not hire people with neck or face tattoos. Just oh, won't. Like Goldman. They, Goldman they, Sachs. they see you walk in the door with a neck or face tattoo. They'll con- they'll conduct the interview and then immediately throw your CV in the garbage. Yeah. They have no interest in hiring you. Especially like client services businesses like um, Morgan Stanley or um, McKesson, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. it makes sense. And in our industry, it's kind of close to that, but still at the site level. At the site level, sure. Have you ever seen a CRA with face or neck tats so far? Nope, nope, never. So they probably also at the CRA level. Fill, well, they may not put it there, but sure. they might screen for it. Sure, they. I'm sure the requirement is you're representing our company. Our company is does not want to look. Uh, I don't know. Would be a nice term to put having a neck or face tattoo. We don't want to look a little unprofessional. We want to look very professional. And if you have one of those things, unfortunately, we're not going to hire you. Like you said, they don't put that in their criteria. Nobody has the cojones to do that for all the lawyers that exist. But, but. They probably do anyways. I haven't been looking for this, but I have not, come to think of it, noticed any CRA with face or neck tats so far. And I have uh, seen coordinators. My own have it. So Sure. Yeah. So I, I honestly cannot recall ever seeing a tattoo on a CRA, but that doesn't mean they don't have them, right? No, on, your back, on your back or on your ankle. I've seen or arms. I've seen like hands. Have you? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But well, actually, I take that hands. back. I do remember a CRA with some tattoos on his arms right tattoos are not what's uncommon it's the face right right face and neck the neck's becoming like more acceptable though and you can cover it up too like i just said i i know two people in hr at s&p 500 companies two different companies and they won't hire they 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 if they can't see it they can't discriminate it (laughs) right and that's exactly and that's exactly And the HR for the one company work the people he hires are in maintenance. So like, you know, taking care of the toilets and things, and they still won't hire people mm-hmm. with neck and face tattoos. Mm-hmm. So at the site level, I think a lot more goes like, I mean, you're dealing with some, some of these sites are in like rough areas where, you know, people have had like, rough upbringings or let's just say like alternative mm-hmm. lifestyles. And then they've course corrected in their career. And now they're working at these clinics and I, that hasn't stopped me from hiring. I've hired those kind of people before too. Um, you know, punk rock that grew up um, X street people. No, and I don't grew out of it. So all that stuff I've seen, and I've, I've actually hired and especially when you get to like patient recruiters and you know, people interacting with the community, you see that. But when it comes to like series, you're absolutely right. I haven't seen face and neck tats from series. So 
we, you and I, so you hired her first and then we were discussing whether or not we should, should transition her to our new company. Cause we didn't need the old company anymore. We we're shutting it down. I said, we should keep her. So, yeah. and she has neck tattoos. So yeah, it's not to say that I won't hire somebody. It's just, there's certain elements you have to consider, at least in my opinion, who you're hiring and what they're going to be doing for your. And we've taken her with us on co-monitoring visits with those same tats, Nick. And we would, we have discussed sending her on her own with those same tats. Mm -hmm. So sometimes just works. Just the problem is, is if you're again, just to come back, correlate the two topics, attire and tattoos. If you're a research naive site, yeah, I would not have people representing your site with neck and face tattoos. <laughs> Just don't it's, do that. It's not the best choice. No. Yeah, don't do it. Dress appropriately that... and no tattoos. Yeah, but if you already have it, that's what I'm saying. It's not a deal breaker for me, but you might run into some resistance at sponsor and CRO, CRO levels. Yeah. I've never seen... I don't know about never, but well, I can never. Like I can't bio, recall ever seeing it. Like bio or DA, you know, big industry conferences where there's like literally ten thousand people going. I I want to say I've seen neck tattoos there, but I don't know if I've seen face. Mm-hmm. And then never, what kind of face? Like I, I'm just saying dots or like full on designs like Mike Tyson. I mean, there's different. Ne- neither of those would work for me because the dots in prison represent murders, and <laughs> yeah, I, ain't, no. I ain't working with that. <laughs> <laughs> People can change, man. Yeah. Again, I just uh, first and foremost, you have to consider your business, mm-hmm. and there's a reason why. But I think at site level, it's a little more. It's more connected to the community, and it's less ivory tower. Um, no, I would agree with that. I, certainly, you can get away with more at site level than you could working directly for a large sponsor. Yeah. Well, never thought I'd have this much in-depth of uh, fashion and uh, tattoos for clinical research, but there you go. We've covered it all, guys. I'm sure Anything we have. I'm sure we haven't covered it all. I'm sure there's topics out there you have not touched. I mean, I thought I had them all, and then you brought <laughs> these two back to back, and I'm like, whoa. Never I'm have. Sure, I'm sure there's more. Maybe we can start a group face tats in clinical research. How about that? I bet there's people out there that – do you think these things will change, though, over time? Because it used to be like no tattoos were acceptable. Mm-hmm. Like it used to be the one that my coordinator has here on the um, – I don't know what this is called. I'm up. There you go. You would cover that up, but mm-hmm. it's more acceptable now. You could like wear a polo. Um, I remember like on the hand, people have them now like here. It's more mm-hmm. like a modern. Um, so maybe like that's just becoming like over the years, just more and more acceptable to where I think it has to cross over into corporate 500. S&P 500 type companies for it to trickle down. Once they accept it there, it'll trickle down everywhere else. So uh, see, I have a reverse opinion and that would be, I think once it's for the most part accepted, so it doesn't, uh, it doesn't upset people. I think it goes the other way. I think it becomes 
less people get tattoos. I think most people get tattoos and get those ear, crazy ear piercings and everything else oh, for, just ear piercings. for attention. Once it no longer draws attention, they lose interest. Statement. A statement. Making attention, a statement. statement, whatever the case may be. Once it doesn't accomplish that any longer, I think it will be less universal, less not necessarily accepted because that's the reason they'll stop doing it because it is accepted. I just think once it is, you'll see less of it. It'll be less prevalent. Yeah. And it's interesting to follow and observe observe on this and comment here and there. But thank you, Chris. Anything mm-hmm. else? No. Like, subscribe, comment, share. Catch y'all later. Bye-bye. <laughs>